This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall, and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, August 29th, 2020. I almost said 2019, and I don't really know why, other than wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Although I don't know if I can actually call that wishful thinking. Because, yes, 2019 was better. But you know what? If this was August of 2019, you know what that would mean? Oh, we'd have another 2020 to look forward to, wouldn't we? In four months! Oh, <laughs> man. I'd just be looking at the calendar thinking, oh, four months. It's going to be 2020 in four months. Wow. And the, what a bright future it would be. <laughs> I don't think I could handle that again. COVID <laughs> would start in four months. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm sipping water. You're sipping, you're sipping water. I'm literally staring off into the distance. I'm I'm thousand yards staring off into the distance right now. Just trying to remember everything that happened, even just in January of this year. Oh, geez, man. Oh, and the Democratic primary would still be going. We'd still have like 20 people. And and oh Booty gig would still be in first place. <laughs> oh, save me! This <laughs> yes, this uh, this election season has been dreadful. <clears throat> oh, yes, is painful. Change the subject. Save me. <laughs> I can't. I only have bad news. <laughs> uh, no, I've. Uh, it's been a pretty good week for me. Uh, nothing, oh. nothing new to report, but I do have some bad news from 2020. Um, we, we've lost Black Panther. Sorry to say, did you hear about that? Yeah, I did. That man was a champion. Holy hell. Chadwick Boseman, uh, just passed away from colon cancer of all things. Silent killer. Four years. He fought he that off for four years. cancer for four years. Years he shot, uh, he shot his appearances in uh, not Winter Soldier, but the one after that, Civil War, Civil War, Infinity War, End Game, and I think it was in one other Marvel movie, plus. All those other movies he was in, in between chemotherapy, when he was well, in between bouts of chemotherapy and stuff, he shot all those action movies. Wow. While he was sick, while he was dying from colon cancer. And might I add, he was easily the best part of his movies. The the gravitas he lent the role of the goofy Marvel hero 
was a nice uh, nice counterbalance to the silly action in Black Panther and the others. I just that is a that is a champion right there. That is a man who is just kicking ass and taking names. Uh, and it gives new meaning to that meme. I was just remembering that meme, you know, where like he was coming out and being all happy, giving his uh, his Ebombay crossed arms uh, salute, and then they ended it with showing one where he was just kind of not all that happy. And now I know because he had friggin' cancer, and he was still out in front of the crowds giving the salute. And yeah, he wasn't grinning as broadly as he was at the beginning, but now we know why. Yeah, we just thought it was a meme. Or we, we thought it was a meme that he was tired of doing it. Holy Hannah. So I was shocked when I heard he had died this morning. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, what the hell? He was 43 years old. So, you know, rest in peace, man. You, you were, uh, you were a king. You know, you may not have been a literal king, but you were a king, uh, and you will be missed. We heard Disney talking about replacing Black Panther, and I was ticked, but now we know why. Mm. It's a shame. Rest in peace. That's it, 2020 being 2020. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, I, uh, I heard uh, you encountered something far more positive and entertaining this week. Are you ready to tell me about this? Now, other than the subject of the show, what else would you be talking about? That's it. Oh, the subject of the show. We're s- skipping straight there? Well, what... I'm I'm all ears, DW. What's on your mind this week? Um, actually, I was going to talk about one other thing first. We played Traveler last night. Classic Traveler. Old, old, old school, 1977, slightly updated Traveler. Uh, we played the Traveleriest Traveler there ever traveler. The three black book Traveler. Yeah. Uh, that was something else. What did you think? Uh, I enjoyed it, and I want to play more. But now, I sensed that you were not quite as happy with the, with the world. Oh, no, it was fun. I think that uh, it was a... It's going to take some time to sort of get into the system, and I haven't actually read the system, so I'm sort of leaning on the Game Master to show us the ropes, which kind of isn't fair, but also I'm just happy to, to go along and find out how it is. Uh, the I best part the so system... far... Go ahead. Finish. The best part so far definitely was character creation. The infamous die during character creation list of charts is really fun and satisfying. I mean, not the dying part. You sort of roll your eyes. You're like, yeah, that's retarded. But the uh, 
by the time I had finished one, one loop uh, through the tables, I was already building a narrative of this character. It just comes right out of the silly dice rolls. It was a ton of fun. I've never had that much fun making a character before. No, actually, that's the truth. Because you build a story from the die rolls. From, you know, what you get or don't get. You build a story. Uh, yeah, and, and that was a lot of fun. Because when when you do that sort of thing in a Dungeons & Dragons game, I don't know if everybody else does it, but I usually just do a one-liner. All I try to do is is ground the character into the game setting, and then I don't care, right? Just, yeah, oh, my guy's a wizard who, you know, studied at this school, and uh, he's, now he's here to cast fireball on things, right? Just Let's just play. Uh, Traveler, I, I don't do the big interesting backstory, but doing doing that involved character creation and creating a character, your character is going to be probably 30 when you're done. Uh, unless you go for like a full career in the military, you could be much older than that. It's weird, but it does give you an idea. All right, this is this guy's story. And this is, this is where he fits in. And now we can start playing. Um, What'd you think of the rest of it? I really liked the world. Um, because even though Star Wars came out like just a couple months before the game was published, so it didn't have any influence on the game itself, um, the closest and quickest background I could give people is like if you took all the Jedi and Sith stuff away from Star Wars. Uh, and you took like the assumptions of a high action world. This is not a high action world. This is kind of a, it's a really gritty combat world. I mean, we, we came within a hair's breadth of a character dying last night in our very first session. The game master forgot one modifier. And if it hadn't been for that one modifier, we would have had a character gutted. <laughs> for sure. Um, and what saved him was that one modifier and a really good damage roll on my rifle. <laughs> yep. That was it. That, that was, that was on the knife's edge that, uh, that fight could have gone horribly, but, uh, thankfully it didn't. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of like AD and D in that sense. If you want to take star Wars and roll in the lethality the real lethality of original AD&D. I mean, AD&D is not epic fantasy. It's not, you know, hijinks and um, high, uh, high uh, adventure where your characters all survive and everything's all cool. It's, it's really, really people dying all the time. And if we can adjust to that kind of thing where people are going to die unless we're really, really careful... Um, then uh, I think we'll be cool with it. Um, at the same time, uh, it, it is Star Wars tech level. Star Wars doesn't have, have uh, uh, little, you know, 
they don't have iPads in Star Wars. They don't have, you know, Bluetooth headsets. <laughs> they have communicators, but those are radios, not, you know, you're not playing Nintendo Go on your right, headsets. Yeah. They don't have video game machines and stuff. It's a completely different universe. It's a 1970s sci-fi universe. And we just have to adjust to that as players. But man, I just loved that because I've read a lot of those books when I was a kid. And uh, that kind of uh, high lethality, low... Uh, I want to say low personal... It's not a consumer electronics universe, right? It's sort of industrial electronics. I thought that was fun to do. Oh, for sure. I it it I love that. That's one of the things that makes the original Star Wars so compelling is that gritty lived-in feeling of the universe. Um which yes, I I actually concur that the that's shared by the Traveler universe. It's a great feel. The map we were on, the street map we were on, we met at a bar. We were just a bunch of veterans. They're all military at one point or another. Um, and on the map, right next to the bar, was a taco place. So we, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We got, we got hired to do a job. And the first thing we did after we got hired is we grabbed tacos and went and sat down and planned our our next moves over taco night. It felt like a proper cyberpunk game, actually. <laughs> um, I'm sure that's a. I'm sure we're talking about stuff that that wasn't totally interesting to everybody listening to the listening in the chat or listening to the podcast. But it was fun, and you got to understand, folks. I haven't been able to role play in probably two years now or a year and a half. And so it was just nice for me to sit down and play uh, and just uh, be the guy who was average IQ and was really not paying attention most of the time. But when he was paying attention, had a couple of small but cogent things to say. <laughs> mm. For sure. Uh, speaking of chat, we've got a, had a couple of questions already. Sorry, guys. As far as I know, nobody died in character creation. No, no. And 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 to Judd Goswick's here. I'm going to put this up because my reaction to that is that's silly. I rolled my eyes, but he makes a good point here. the The point of dying in character creation is that you actually iterate several times, where you you fast forward a few years in the character's life, and the long the more you do that, the longer you stay in, the more skills and stuff you get. Like you get more money, you get more. Uh, skill points, you get more ability points, that sort of thing. Your character becomes more powerful. So it's a risk-reward thing where you can't just... If there were no chance of losing the character, then everybody would just make a, whatever, 40-year-old or whatever it is that has maximum skills, right? So that's that's a really good point. That's the If you want to know why that is there, that's a great explanation. Yeah, you're pushing your luck. Um, it's the same thing they do in game shows, right? 
where it's like, okay, you can take your winnings and go home, or you can risk it all on, on the next roll of the dice and see if you get, you know, see if you get double it or whatever else. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is actually a smart mechanic. It's a good mechanic, and there's a good reason for it to be there. Uh, the original cyberpunk game that eventually becomes the basis for cyberpunk 2077 um, had a life path system, uh, but I don't remember if they had a, uh, um, if they had a dying in creation mechanic. I'm going to have to. No, they, it doesn't. No, at least not in cyberpunk 2020, uh, in cyber, um, but it has a ton of great stuff. You can generate love interests, villains, uh, friends and children, even uh, business opportunities and contacts. It really, it it's a great way of randomly setting up a character so that you can interact with the world without being, without, without having to pretend that you're, you know, 30 year old military veteran with cyberware has no contacts in the world, right? doesn't know anybody's never met anybody's never exactly it's it's sort of that really strange when you do that in a dungeons and dragons game it's like yeah you know you here you're at the new town here's your base of operations you're starting fresh with just a sword on your back and and a few friends right that doesn't really work in a modern setting game um so there are some idiosyncratic idiosyncrasies to the game that I wasn't expecting um, because the game was designed around that these original games, these original role-playing games were designed in a world in which common supplies for role-playing were really, really rare. Like the original D&D, there were no D10 dice. And so they had to fudge them because nobody made D10 dice. They had to fudge them um, until people started actually producing D10 dice in quantities. Um, and apparently, it, and, uh, in, and this is going to tie back into Traveler. Give me a sec. In the back of, I believe, the Wilderness Survival Guide, they had... Uh, Grid paper and hex paper was in the back. Of, uh, hex paper was in the back of the Wilderness Survival Guide. Grid paper was in the back of the Dungeoneering Survival Guide for AD&D because those were not, at the time the books were published, those were not produced commercially in large enough amounts to make it easy. Uh, we're not... Uh, easily available for people to buy in stores, so they produce they reproduce them in the back of the book so people could photocopy them, and that's the only way you could get grid paper or hex paper. Well, now that brings us back to Traveler, their ranges and for characters are not based on grids. They are made for lined paper, for college-ruled paper, because that's the kind of paper 
that people who played the original Traveler in 77 would have available. So the game design itself is uh, bent around the materials and tools that people who played the game had available. Hmm. But that was something interesting we found out last night that I did not know. Ranges are kind of weirdly abstracted in lines. You have the monster of one or the whatever target you're fighting here, and then you're a certain number of lines away from them on the lined paper. That's why the ranges are done the way they are. It's a little strange. It is. It is. I like it. Uh, I understand it's for lined paper, but it also strikes me as a great system for a theater of the mind game. Yes. Where you, it's not, uh, which makes it a little awkward to try to play in roll 20 or other virtual tabletops, which encourage a sort of board game style gaming. But yeah, it's, it's perfect for a theater of the mind setup. Uh, it's really easy to say, yeah, you know, you're you're at close range. You're, yeah, this you're at the perfect range for cutting and stabbing with your sword, or uh, you're at long range. You could uh, you could use your rifle without penalty, but uh, you you wouldn't be able to use your sword. That sort of thing. It's great, and it, it leads to really simple role playing actions in in that sort of a situation where the when the distances are abstracted you can say okay well i on my turn i'm going to close the distance right i'm going to i'm going to run over to this console and attempt to you know push the buttons or i'm going to run i'm going to close the distance to this foe and uh, and uh, attack them or tackle into the ground that sort of thing boom right it's it's just you don't have to worry about how many feet per round you can move so on and so forth just go which i appreciate um, we're in for a treat Bradford Walker says that uh, Starship Combat is, is a whole other beast it takes getting used to I'm looking forward to that I, I actually rolled a pilot I tried my hardest to get a, a variety of useful skills I just kept rolling the same number over and over again <laughs> I, I went through four uh, terms of service, and every single one gave me rifle. <laughs> Seriously, it, it it wigged me out because it's it's not like there weren't a ton of other gun skills I could have gotten. I could have gotten a random assortment of gun skills and ended up as you know the guy could shoot four different guns with the skill of one. No, I got rifle, 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 rifle. So my character is like the most expert marksman uh, almost on the planet, I think. Oh, sure. So I have a min-maxed it's a, a min-maxed combat dude because I've got a strength of 12. Again, you get this randomly. You roll your stats randomly and I can swing a broadsword which does just unbelievable amounts of damage and I have four points in rifle uh, and it's all completely random and our entire party 
you'd think that randomly rolling things would end up just with kind of an average of blah. No, we're we're all min-maxed in something. <laughs> mm. Weird. Really weird how that came out. But we it, it it was an enjoyable game. It's got a different background, and I'm really looking forward if we can continue playing to ending up with a campaign saga kind of like Jeffro's. Uh where you know we go for a while and our characters get some more history and then one of us dies because we're gonna die. We saw that from the combat last night. I mean for sure. It's it, it's a dangerous galaxy. Yeah, I, um, I had a lot I had a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to more of that. Yeah. So let's let's put Traveler Sykes. I think we've run out of things to talk about right now. Yes. Um, and I wanna this is the I was fumbling around to find this picture. I want to read this. Um, this is a uh, facsimile or a photo. Uh, this is just a page, a random page from a newspaper uh, movie section from a random year in the 80s and uh i think the audience is going to guess which year this is but this is just advertising movies that are in the cinemas this week uh that you could have gone and seen that you had a pick to go see so i'm going to start reading some titles of movies that you could go see this week hmm Gremlins, The Last Starfighter, Rhinestone, Blame It on Rio, Bachelor Party, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, Top Secret, Ghostbusters, Cannonball Run 2, The Karate Kid, The Natural, Conan the Destroyer. Uh, do you have any guesses as to what year that is in the chat? We'll see in a few seconds. Uh, that's wow. That's amazing. That has to be. I want to say mid to late eighties because I remember some of those. What in an outstanding selection! <laughs> one week. One random week. Uh, and nineteen eighty four is correct. Matthew Martin coming in for the win. Um, yeah, and, uh, and he says he's he's seen this floating around Facebook. I saw it floating around Twitter, which is where I got it. Um, and I just want to throw this out here. The reason why I'm throwing this out here is because this is what a week used to look like. Oh, I missed Firefox with Clint Eastwood. My bad. This is what a random week at the cinemas used to look like. You know, some of these movies are better than others. Some of them lasted longer. But even the quote-unquote bad ones are the ones that haven't necessarily gone down as, you know, immortal movies or classics were decent to watch, were entertaining for people were made to entertain people. Um, 
And I want to diagnose 2020 with a big, broad brush and 2019 and 2018 and 2017 and 2016. I want to diagnose those movies, most of them, not absolutely all of them, but vast majority of them, by saying that they're crap. Even the ones that are kind of good are basically still crap. They're okay, barely watchable crap. There are some exceptions. The John Wick films are exceptions, but even the second and third ones are showing some weaknesses in the plot. And the story, the action scenes are still unbelievable. But the story is getting kind of bad, or at least showing weaknesses. But the movies are crap. Even if they're a little bit okay crap, they're still crap. Now, you guys may be asking, why am I throwing out all these great movies and saying how 1984 is so much better than 2020 and how 2020 movies, even if they're kind of sort of okay in some places, they're mostly crap? You may be wondering. Is there a connection? There is a connection. <laughs> and it it's a connection that cost me $25 yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm ready for it, Danny Warpig. I am seated. So there's a movie that came out yesterday. It's called Bill and Ted Face the Music. There's a nostalgia cash in again. So what do you think? It's mostly crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's a shame even if it's even if it was okay in some places it was mostly crap I spent 25 bucks and watched it you watched it on, on Amazon or something uh well, actually, uh, renting it to watch it was $19. <laughs> Sorry. Buying it to keep it was $25. That's some clever pricing. So I bought it to keep it. I know you'll be able to trot it out anytime you want to watch Bill and Ted 3. Yes. All right, so everybody knows that it was a nostalgia cash grab. Keanu Reeves is, uh, I don't think he's ever been more popular than he is these days. So why not? Him and Alex were genuinely excited to do the movie. They were genuinely excited to do the movie and genuinely wanted to make a movie that the fans would love. Other people involved may have been just doing it for a nostalgia cash grab. 
But those two genuinely wanted to make a good movie for the fans. Just to make a good Bill and Ted's movie. This was not a good Bill and Ted's movie. Oh, no. And I'm so... disappointed that I'm dispirited and I don't it's like it's been drained out of me the desire to talk about it I just don't want to walk into the movie and relive it and say oh here's what the movie is and but I want to tell you what the movie is. Bill and Ted are married to the princesses, and they're still married to the princesses, and they're they have a family consisting of two daughters. Um Just like meaning they each have a daughter. Yes, they each have a daughter. Okay. And um Bill and Ted I don't want to analyze this movie. I don't want to tell you all the flaws of this movie cuz it's just so darn disappointing. But Bill and Ted don't do anything to advance the plot of the movie. They are secondary characters in their own movie. The people who do things to advance the plot of the movie are the daughters. Hmm. And that's the 2020 of it all, right? It's the women who do all the work to advance the plot, to save the world, to they're Bill and Ted is what I'm saying. If you will think of Bill and Ted as a you know, as an office. They step into that role. They do all the stuff to save the world. And in the end, what this movie does more than anything else is set up sequels. And I'm not saying they're literally making sequels. But they set up sequels where Bill and Ted's daughters will go on to have more adventures. Like they could make some animated cartoon where Bill and Ted's daughters go around through time having adventures and stuff. Sure. I, I actually got that impression from the longer trailer. It looked to me as if they wanted to repeat the plot of, of the first Bill and Ted only using their daughters 
as the character is time hopping and, and gathering musicians. Yep. That's, that's, that's what they did? That's what they did. Oh, that's a shame. That's what I got from the trailers. That's the feeling I got from the very first time. The very first time they mentioned Daughters, that's what I was afraid of. Mm. Because it's 2020, and I've seen movies for the last four or five years. And that's what I was fearing. That's what I was afraid of. And that's what they wanted, went ahead and did. Um, so you've seen... Um, not Tool Time. Tim Allen's comedy show. What the one that? with the one with Tool Time in it, or yes. his, his? Okay, that's Home Improvement. Home Improvement. Okay, I kept on wanting to say Home Alone, and I just knew that wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, by the way, Macaulay Culkin's forty. You're welcome. Oh yeah, Macaulay Culkin's forty. That happened this week too. That's another, <laughs> you know, kiss on the cheek from 2020. <laughs> We should have mentioned that at the top of the show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. So Home Improvement. Uh, home Improvement was all about the dumb dad getting corrected by the smart mom. Right? Uh, sorry, I never watched it. Uh, and then the King of Queens was all about the dumb dad getting corrected by the smart mom. And then all these commercials are about the dumb dad getting corrected by the smart mom. Oh, now, yeah, that's a, it's a well-worn trope. I may have been too subtle with my illusions there, but mm. can you guess what Bill and Ted's Face the Music is all about? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they do have one thing going for them, and that Bill and Ted are idiots. That's That was kind of their charm. That was. Um, but their plot thread in the movie is that the princesses leave them. They're jumping forward through time. They find out that the princesses leave them. And as they're jumping forward through time, and again, this is revealed in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything. They keep on running into future versions of themselves who get angrier and angrier and bitterer and bitterer because the princesses left them. And that's what they do the whole movie. Trying to find versions of themselves that wrote the incredible song that will save, you know, unite the world. Okay. Now, I'm not giving away anything that wasn't in the trailers. I'm not actually giving away too much if you're going to go see the movie anyway. But it's just so darn disappointing. Bill and Ted, even though they were idiots, were also heroes. And they figured things out and they saved the day, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not what Bill and Ted do. So they, they bumble around and their daughters save the day? Yes. I mean that that could be cute and charming. But but it didn't satisfy you, that's for sure. Nope. That's a shame. That's it. I'm running out of steam. I mean there's other things I could discuss, but Well, let me ask you something. Was it enjoyable for you to see Ken Reeves and Alex Winter back at those characters? 
No. Because it's like the whole movie was at those characters' expense. Yeah, the even though Bill and Ted in the first, you know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the point is they're morons, but you make a good point. Eventually they figure it out and they have some clever moments and they you know, it's it's not uh How do I put this? They it's it's not mean, it's not right. Uh, the 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 characters are are portrayed in a positive light. That's it's they're loving lovingly portrayed as imbeciles, but they their heart is in the right place. And if you do a whole story predicated upon, yeah, well, they're still kind of hopeless morons, and they need someone else to bail them out. That's that that is against the spirit of of the the original concept of the characters and, it, and maybe it doesn't do them justice the one fun part the only part that was really <sighs> lifted my spirits was when they went to meet death and that really was only fun if you've seen the second movie so you had to have seen both the first and second movies to really get why the meeting with death was was fun. Uh, yeah, the Bill and Ted's bogus journey was a little, that was strange. <laughs> yeah. But William Sadler, who plays Death, he really, really kicks it again. He does <laughs> his job when he gets his scene, and man, he kicks it out of the park, hits it out of the park, uh, and that's a fun scene. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't get as much screen time as he deserves. Uh, but when he does, he steals it. Just absolutely steals it. <laughs> and even there, the daughters save Bill and Ted. Oh, no. Uh, we've, uh, we've we've got a refutation in the chat. I, I I can't play spoiler for you because I uh, I haven't seen it. Judd Goswick says that it, it and it, it involves spoilers, but Bill and Dead have a couple of moments where they where they fix things. I don't know. May, you'll have to see for yourself, I guess. Here's a good sign. I found out where I could see it locally. There is a drive-in theater. It's only about two-hour drive from Seattle. Oh. They don't have a drive-in theater nearer to Seattle? No. Uh, drive-in theaters apparently are not around here. I don't know if it's the the dreary weather through the winter months or, or what, but they're just not popular at all. Or if, if they existed, they, they're long gone. You don't, well, I mean, Walmart's been making drive-in theaters at their stores. They've been converting Walmart stores into drive-in theaters. There have been new drive-in theaters 
springing up. It's about the only good thing that's coming out of 2020. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard of any locally. Uh, none of them are showing Bill and Ted three. That's there's the only the one that's it's way out on the peninsula in Port Angeles. So, uh, I and, and we talked about this last week actually. The 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 Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival went online, but there was a chance that we were going to rent out that drive-in theater and do it there. There are uh, also came out this week on Thursday, I think. New Mutants is showing at drive-in theaters and also regular theaters. New Mutants, what's that? <laughs> I forget. <laughs> Some new X-Men movie? Yes. Great. Just great. <laughs> no one cares. Um... I, I think we've uh, we've completely wrung all we can out of this Bill and Ted. There are literally more things I could say about it. Literally more things I could say. But I just... I'm drained. I'm depressed. Aww. I could tell you that they did a great stab at honoring George Carlin's memory. Because they did. They had a little, uh, they had a little shrine to George Carlin in the future. That society he came from. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a little hologram of him, which was great, and it was really touching. And they had a character who was his daughter. I don't know if the actress is actually literally George Carlin's daughter, but by gum and by golly, if she didn't look like she was George Carlin's daughter, wow. she looked like the spitting image of George Carlin. That's touching. That's great. That was. That was a great moment. Um, and she did a great job in the movie. I liked her character. I liked how she carried herself. They gave her good material to work with. She was a good part of the movie. The historical figures that they chose for musicians were all interesting and fun. They didn't get as much play or as fun play as they did in the original Bill and Ted's, but for the little cameos they got while they were picking them up, they were they were pretty awesome. They had Louis Armstrong, they had Jimi Hendrix, they had uh, Mozart, they had a Chinese flutist who was apparently considered legendary, um, whose name I don't remember, because it was a Chinese flutist from some ancient period who was considered legendary. Uh, and then they had a prehistoric from 12,000 BC uh, African drummer. <laughs> um, and they it was fun to have something like that in the movie, but it was pure nostalgia bait. But they were still fun. Mozart was a kick. He was a hoot. Uh, he, he was the best of them all, man. I don't know why. If there was just the guy playing Mozart, just took his role and ran with it. But he was a hoot. He was second to death in the in the fun characters to have on screen. Every single little bit of uh, uh, dialogue or character work they gave him, he ran with, and he lit up the screen. At uh, one point, he's playing uh, for Elise, I think. Um, I'm probably going to get that wrong. Uh, 
somebody's probably going to come in and, and, and smack me around and tell me, no, you got that wrong. But he's, he's doing a uh, recital in front of an audience, and uh, Jimi Hendrix hooks his guitar up to the power source inside the time travel pod and starts playing the piece of music on his electric guitar. <laughs> so he's playing backup while Mozart is doing this, and it's actually a great little uh, musical number that they just stick in the middle of the movie. Uh, it's good to listen to. It's, uh, you know... It's a great little musical piece to listen to, and and Mozart comes out, and that's why he joins is because of that. Um, the guy who's playing uh, Louis Armstrong um, just has a, a great character, a great read on who Louis Armstrong was, um, and he's charming and funny, and, uh, uh, you know, they recruit him uh, with a video on their iPhone. Uh watching Jimi Hendrix play and he comes and joins them and uh and he gets some great trumpet work in. Uh this is a movie clearly written by people who love music and they get a lot of uh and they get a lot of music uh trivia in on it. Um you know and clearly they had people who either the writers knew a lot about music or the people who consulted knew a lot about music. I'm not saying there's no positive aspects to the movie. It just it can't rescue the movie, if you see what I'm saying, mm -hmm. right? The, the it wasn't, it didn't make up for the unsatisfying plot and and characters. And when they meet the Chinese flutist, she's playing this piece, and it's really gorgeous. And then Mozart, <laughs> Mozart borrows it from her and plays the magic flute, <laughs> <laughs> just a few bars of it. And then she takes it from him and plays it, and he's all delighted about it. it it's funny. They do have funny moments, and um, it, that's why Mozart, he's like the best character. They gave him so many of these small bits here and there that I don't know why they didn't give anybody else as many cool bits as he did. Um, but no, it, it wasn't as good as the bits that historical people got, like Joan of Arc and uh, Attila the Hun and, you know, all the other people, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, all of those people got great bits and extended scenes in the original movie, you know, like going to Waterloo or Mozart eating that big uh, piggy piggy bowl <laughs> ice cream. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Attila the Hun putting on the football pads and the helmet and jumping off the little trampoline over the guards or uh, Joan of Arc going in and leading the um, uh, aerobicides. Aerobics. Oh, my goodness. Until all the people collapsed or um, Abraham Lincoln up there giving the Gettysburg Address and ending with, party on, dudes! <laughs> Uh, and Socrates, you know, dropping the sand, uh, the, like sand through the hourglass. And um, they're just not as funny as the first movie. And they don't give the historical figures enough room to be funny. Mm -hmm. um, it's like they tried to combine the first and second movies and they didn't give either one of those plot lines enough space to be funny 
or interesting um, interesting enough or introspective enough. One of them is supposed to be this introspective journey with Bill and Ted, and the other one's supposed to be this funny historical story, and neither story had enough room to bloom. Uh, they kind of choked each other out. Uh, and either one of them alone would have been great, both of them together, or could have been great if written well, both of them together just didn't give the other enough space to work. Um, I would love to have seen the other characters get as much space as Mozart got to be clever or funny or interesting. Um, you know, they had this little moment where the drummer from 12,000 BC, uh, the drummer from 12,000 BC got a chance to learn a modern drum kit. That might have been funny if she had an extended, you know, little version of that trying to put together a drum kit and learn it and messing it up or whatever. I don't know. There could have been so much more done with these characters that would have been better. Yeah, that's a interesting observation that those moments are just gags. It's it's just a, a fun moment to give the audience a laugh. And if you strip them out, all you have is a really concise series of story beats. Right? It's it's not important that Mozart eats a bowl of ice cream. It's a gag. It's a fun gag. Like <laughs> we brought this guy back from uh you know Austria and in Oh, I forget what year he's, he lived, but and he's in the modern times. He's 1592. He's gonna and he's gonna come up. Yeah, he's he's gonna come up and just and pick himself out on ice cream or something like that. Enjoy some, enjoy some of modern America's marvels, that sort of thing. It's a gag. There's no story beat to it. Doesn't doesn't serve the plot, man. You're watching a comedy. Just enjoy this scene. This is funny. So I. Oh, yeah, that was it. That was the big point. The plot is hellaciously convoluted. I mean, the plot of Bill and Ted's was pretty straightforward. There were a lot of things that happened, but the plot itself isn't all that complicated. Uh, the plot of this movie was really comp complex. I mean, you can follow it, but, man, people go... I mean, they had three time-traveling plots going on at the same time. They had the daughters going back and forth through time. They had Bill and Ted going back through and forth through time. And they had the princesses going back and forth through time. Uh, all separately. And you just don't need three time travel plots 
going on simultaneously in the same movie. It's just too much. It's a shame. So, yeah, I... It's all right. You've said enough. Is it ever enough for Daddy Warpig? <laughs> but I do I do want to point out the reason why it's mostly crap but still kind of okay. That's still kind of okay is because it's actually one of the better movies of 2020. Now there are better better movies in 2020 because there haven't been many movies in 2020. There might have even been a good movie out this year. If someone were to rattle off the movies of this year, I think there was a good movie this year um, that was actually released this year that I saw. Um, there was a Pixar movie this year, right? This year? Was that this year? It wasn't a good one. Or it wasn't a great one. Oh, Underwater, I liked. It was okay. That was, you know... Bad Boys 3, yeah, that was okay. Not great, okay. Oh, The Gentleman. We liked The Gentleman, didn't we? It was okay. Um, let's see. Oh, Birds of Prey. Yeah, that was an okay action movie. Sonic the Hedgehog was great. I liked that movie. <laughs> That was a great 2020 movie. So I'm looking, actually looking at the list of 2020 movies. Onward came out this year. You liked Onward. I liked Onward, but yeah, Onward was all right. Um, I liked The Hunt that came out this year. Um, blah, blah movies I didn't see, didn't see, didn't see. Oh, and, and we're already, we're like, this is the 31st film this year. There are 30 films this year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, most of the rest of these are, I didn't see or mostly crap. This is a, again, it's crap movie because they did the 2020, you know, power thing. Strong woman, what don't need no man. Uh, although it's not as bad as most of them, it was kept to very, very mild levels. And if they hadn't made Bill and Ted backup dancers in their own band, that's not literal. They still get to play their guitar and stuff. Um, it would have been much, much better. So it's got a large ball of crap, but it's still watchable, I would say. It's just a really sad ending to the Bill and Ted trilogy. Silence. Utter silence. This is not good, man. You're supposed to step in with a comment. Sorry. I didn't have one. 
I wish I had. By how many okay, not totally terrible movies came out in 2020? (laughs) I'm not sure. I I think we're giving those films way too much credit. Uh, It's been a onward. Yeah, onward was okay, but no, that was a that was a pretty underwhelming list. Even if we enjoyed a few of them. Oh, and I skipped like lots of movies that I just didn't watch, like Doolittle. No, go oh, stop, stop. I didn't watch it. Nobody did. Uh, I mean, some of these were like mildly intriguing. I might have wanted to see. Uh, oh wait, I saw the turning. Oh, I saw the turning. I watched that. In the theater. I remember those theaters. Let's see. The rhythm section I didn't see. I wanted to watch Fantasy Island, but I didn't see it. Call of the Wild I knew was crimp. Visible Man. Wendy. Way Back. Bloodshot I wanted to see, but I haven't seen it. Trolls World Tour, Scoob, Lovebirds, Artemis Fowl, King of Staten Island. These are all movies I haven't seen. You Should Have Left, The Way, Greyhound. I'm already up to 27. These are all movies I haven't seen. (laughs) I'm out of of 2020. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. I don't just stop at 27. Let's see what's after 27. Uh, Let's see. The Secret Garden. I didn't see. The one and only Ivan. You know, that's a movie about a big ape. If they had called it the one and only Harambe, I guaranteed that would have been a hit. (laughs) The New Mutants. Oh, and coming out yesterday... The Personal History of David Copperfield. Uh, That's not actually about David Copperfield. It's about Charles Dickens' story. Oh, got my hopes up there for a moment. Yeah. Uh, And then Tenet is coming out. It's already out in some places, but it should be coming out in America on the 3rd. Oh, and then Mulan. Are you going to spend 30 bucks to buy it on Disney? <laughs> I'm not. And I'm the guy who spent $25 on Bill and Ted 3. Yeah, well, I mean, giving money to Disney at this point is a bridge too far. Did so, you hear about Disney actually going after the SJW infestation? That's a rumor, and it's not true. Is it not true? Of course it's not true. It's Disney. That's a shame. Oh, well, I was I was looking forward to, uh, to Disney reinventing itself 20 years from now after it had finished the purges, but I guess I'll just watch it burn instead. I'm certainly not going to give the money, even though Mulan was a uh, one of their better animated films of that era. Oh, well. I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to lift the burden off my shoulder so I can talk. So the question you're going to ask me is, Daddy Warpig, 
is Bill and Ted Face the Music worth spending $20 on? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it is not worth spending $20 on. And then you'll ask me, Daddy Warpig, would it have been worth spending uh, $10 in the movie theater for? No! It would have been worth going to see it at a, you know, $2 or $1 theater. Yeah, it would have been maybe maybe worth that, yeah. If you can catch it on, like, Netflix or HBO or whatever that you're already paying for, sure, go for it. Uh... Uh... That's that's it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask you anything else. This this poor movie you've beaten and battered it. I'm never gonna watch it. Nobody is. And that's okay. It's a shame though. It's not a good movie. Uh, the best you can say is it's good for 2020. <laughs> I barely miss movies at this point. That's kind of sad, isn't it? That's a sad praise. Yeah, that is. Sorry, man. All right, Daddy Warpig, you're depressing me here. <laughs> I think I'm depressing everybody. <laughs> it's not my fault, man. It's Bill and Ted's Three's fault. Makes me well, want to go can't. back and watch the original so I can feel good again. You probably just should. I, I, I want to hear that strange things are afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> well, we can't... Uh, Circle Ks anymore? No, I've, I have no idea. I don't think I've ever seen one. That's depressing, too. Okay. Any last words? Oh, I want to do a, a plug, actually, because we can't end the show on a downer. We've got a friend of the show, John Mollison, just came out with his latest book, and he teased it. Uh, he gave us a teaser, a preview, last time he was on. It's a post-apocalyptic story called Wretched Sun. Okay, we'll put have the you, link in the description. Have you taken a look at that yet? Uh, John, uh, I'm not just saying this because he comes on the show and hangs out with us, but after the Corona Chan collection and the post-apocalyptic collection with Hernstrom and uh, Jeffro and and them, uh, I can say that John is is quickly rising as one of my favorite neo pulp authors. Uh, John's got the goods, as I said on Twitter. So. I think I'm going to check this book out. I think uh, I encourage everybody who likes that sort of thing to consider it. Shameless plug. I I am not paid for any of that statement. I just wanted to end on a positive note. And that's it for me for this week. Uh, it's been fun talking about games and movies as usual. It's great to hang out with everybody in the chat. I appreciate everybody who hangs out live. And I hope everybody listening later 
that it wasn't too late and you've canceled your order of Bill and Ted three. So it's that's it for me, Daddy Warpig. The floor is yours. <gasps> oh, I'm going to take a deep breath and a sip of water just to refresh myself and gather my energies again. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I said yesterday on Twitter that, you know, it was moments like that that made me wish I could, uh, the bottled water made you drunk. <laughs> It was in reference to an entirely separate situation, but um, it applies in this one, too. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I don't drink alcohol, but sometimes, sometimes I wish it. <laughs> sometimes you wish you did. Um, all right, folks. Thanks for turning into the show today. Uh, you can catch us every week about this time on YouTube.com slash GeekGab. That's YouTube.com slash GeekGab. Or... You can catch us on the Apple iTunes store, SoundCloud.com, or the Google Play store. You can subscribe to us on the device of your choice or just listen on the web. Or listen to us on Saturday. Catch us live and participate in the, as always, exciting, vivacious, and uh, always interesting chat. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say to you. And all I can say is be well, folks. There's only four months left in 2020. Grin and Barrett, and uh, who knows? Uh, enough strange things have happened so far in this benighted, befouled, and befuddled year that things might actually get better. We are signing out for today, but don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.